are all persons of interest in this case. Someone's trying to frame this. This is going to be fine. Could be bad. It's very rare for a true crime podcast to do a sequel. We have a real opportunity here. Does anyone else feel like there's still a couple of loose ends? Get a new hobby. As long as it doesn't land you in jail. Like knitting? All right, don't be a smart ass. It's kind of her thing. We are looking for new evidence. You clearly know things that you're not sharing. You understand the definition of perjury? I know what perjury is. I don't. Our lives blow up if we all go down for this. Don't you want to clear your name, too? I have to see this through. Let's focus. I'll be right back. You can't leave me here. I'm that good at parties. Uh, I, I'm, I'm nervous to talk to people because I can come off creepy. <laughs> keeps showing up in our apartments. Who's ever doing this is toying with us. This ends the investigation into a whole new direction. We hope it will take us to clues. It's a wall. And suspects. So what do we know about my daughter's murder? Maybe she killed Bunny. You think that woman stabbed someone eight times? We'll put a pin in her for now. Isn't this fun? As you can see, we're on fire. Deep breaths. We have two options. I slap you across the face, or we just skip to the part where you say, thanks, kid, that was tough to hear. Uh, not the slapping one. You need to go full Ollie Mabel here. What? Ollie Mabel. All our names put into one. Where is the Charles in Ollie Mabel? The Charles is silent. Hulu's Only Murders in the Building is back in the Emmy race with its second season, during which our amateur sleuths, played by Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, solve another mystery, the murder of their apartment building's board president. To talk about the season and hint at what's to come in season three, we're joined by editors Shelley Westerman and Peyton Koch. Earlier this year, the pair was nominated for an American Cinema Editor's Eddie Award for their work on the season two finale. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. So I'd like to introduce Shelley and Peyton. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. So the both of you came on board for season two, and now you're working on season three. What has it been like to be a part of the series? It's been such a joy. I mean, I personally was very nervous joining season two. Having Steve and Marty and Selena and these big stars in this, you know, highly acclaimed show. And I think um, what set me at ease was John Hoffman, our showrunner. It was so gracious and kind. And then I knew two of the uh, editors from season one, Julie Monroe and Joanne Yarrow. So we had conversations and that kind of put me at ease. And as I understand it, um, Peyton, you started as an assistant on season two, and then you were promoted to editor during the season. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So Shelly and I had worked together. Um, we met in 2018, and I uh, started working underneath her, and we had split ways during the pandemic. And then we had reconnected when Shelly got season two of Murders, and I was like, oh my god, absolutely, I will come join you. And so I, lucky enough, I got to join her on that, and we ended up editing everything together and had this beautiful mentorship from her friendship. And then, yeah, because of our gracious showrunner, John Hoffman, 
and the amazing experience we had with him, I was able to, you know, get co-editor credit on two episodes and one of them being our amazing finale that we love. So in this season, uh, they're looking for the murder of Bunny Folger, who is the uh, board president at their um, apartment complex. And during the season, you reintroduce a lot of the characters from the first season, but we get to know them a little bit better. Who are some of your favorite characters to work on during the season? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Um, I like... The super fans. We had an episode 208 was the blackout episode and Marv got to do his voiceover and kind of have a starring role. That 208 was special because it gave kind of a light to all of these supporting characters. And I think that's, you know, what I like about the show. It starts off like the first episode was a mystery. Then in number two, we kind of take a step back and learn the history of the Arconia and we meet Shirley MacLaine's character. And then episode three goes to Bunny's story. It's always this kind of shifting of the story so everyone gets their moment. And that's what's so fascinating because it takes these kind of twists and turns and we get to follow these different paths. So as an editor, it's fantastic. Slightly different styles, maybe. You know, there's a style of the show, but then each episode could have a slightly different tone. And that's very exciting um, to edit. And throughout the season, when you mention these different characters, there's a lot of misdirects. Do you want to talk about just shaping that arc throughout the season, the where we go from one to the other? Because you you do a lot of you know interesting turns throughout. Yeah, it helps that. So on season two, um, Peggy Tashton was our other editor, and then David Bertman, Peggy, and I, and Peyton and Peggy's assistant, Lauren Rossi, like we all worked together previously. So we had a shorthand and then, you know, we befriended David because what's crucial for this show is kind of the sharing of information, collaboration, taking a look at each other's episodes. Everyone remembers different things. Peggy's assistant, Lauren, she's like the gatekeeper and remembers everything from every episode. I, I don't remember certain facts. So we found it incredibly helpful to be open to that collaboration and sharing. So we're always kind of checking each other and like, oh, no, you can't use that shot because Bunny didn't do that till that episode or, you know, whatever the facts were. And Peyton was brilliant at that, too. Yeah. And like what you were saying earlier about the different characters and how each episode kind of is a little short story and a different perspective of the mystery and leading leading us down the path and you know, each character gets their little moment and it is a misdirect, like you said. It's kind of like the end of each episode is like, oh, new suspect. They find a new person that they're, you know, going after. And so that's super fun to give these different characters the spotlight for those episodes. And yeah, like the um, getting to watch everyone's cuts while we're, you know, cutting everything helps us (laughs) wrap our brains around the mystery because it is kind of, you know, in all these different, places all at once. So let's talk about some of these characters. One of the suspects is uh, Cindy Canning, played by <laughs> Tina Fey. <laughs> um, who's fantastic, as the whole cast is. But for Tina Fey's character, um, would you talk a little bit about shaping her character arc throughout the season? And do they give you a lot of takes? Surprisingly not. That was one of the big shocking things. I thought, oh, it's, you know, all these great comedic actors of our time. And and it's going to be ad lib. And they they 
don't do a lot of ad-libbing. They pretty much work that all out in the scripts. Um, we do table reads, which are very informative and very helpful. We don't always get those on shows. Um, I think with Zoom and, and working remotely and we're all over the place, it's actually made some of those uh, practices a little bit easier. So we get to hear the rhythms and what they're saying in the Zoom calls. Uh, and then they'll go change the script. And then they pretty much stay on script. I, that was one shocking kind of thing. Yeah, they're very serious with the script. Like Steve and Marty, they study it like a Bible and they come in and they say those lines exactly right. And there's not a lot of room for ad-libbing, which kind of makes our life easier, you know, with following the script and sticking to the comedy. And they don't do a lot of takes. And now, you know, this season we're working with Meryl Streep and it's like, you know, I mean, she's Meryl Streep, but she comes in and does two or three takes and we're out. And Tina Fey was very similar. It was like, you know, she comes in and she does the work and we have it, you know. Do you want to elaborate on working with Steve and Martin? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was terrified. Uh, and I, you know, had worked with a lot of great comedians and big comedic directors, but I still was terrified to do my first cutting of Steve and Marty. They, their pacing is very deliberate. Their deliveries are very deliberate. I would say most oftentimes we're asked to make things faster, tighter, take out all the air. Um, in general, comedies, dramas, kind of everything, everybody wants it tighter, tighter, faster. And I was terrified to, to mess with whatever Steve and Marty were doing. <laughs> um, so I had to get over that um, to make the cuts and get them, you know, and work with the producers and showrunners. And so the first time we sent them one of our episodes, we just waited. We were so nervous. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? And they loved it. Um, Steve, you know, maybe gives a few notes. Marty will give a list of notes and then he'll watch it about four or five, six times. And then he'll say, oh, no, well, everything's fine. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also mentioned of course Shirley MacLaine <laughs> oh my gosh yes they loved her that was so wonderful I think the thing about the set that we can feel they shoot in New York and we're editing in Los Angeles is just the kindness that exudes on set the set is a very joyful happy place the actors have all made those remarks time and again it's very well run. It's very humane. They have a lot of laughs. They have a lot of joy. And you feel that. So we saw these times with Steve and Shirley, you know, and she might forget a line and they would go back and do a pickup and he would be so kind and gentle with her. And the cast and crew just loved her. She was entertaining and, and she'd, you know, tell jokes. And we could hear some of that in the dailies and think, oh, I wish we were there to see her. We sometimes hear about scenes moving or changing, um, and you obviously had a lot of characters and a lot of, you know, storylines. How closely is this season to the original script? I'd say it's pretty close. I mean, there isn't a lot of restructuring that we do within the episodes. They they pretty much stay to the script. Obviously, there are maybe some scenes that have to get moved around for story purposes, but I'd say like 95% of, you know, the season is very on the script. There was one episode last season where we did some more bigger restructure, but like overall, very on script. Yeah, we still have to cut with act breaks in mind. Um, and whether, you know, I think on Hulu, 
if they're ad supported, you know, you can watch it with the blacks in between, or you might have the commercials. Um, so there is sometimes restructuring of act breaks. Um, we found that a little bit. Could we talk in depth about your creative decisions when you cut that final sequence in the apartment when Cinda comes and uh, you think it's Cinda, then it's Becky, and you have all those really interesting twists and turns in the scene? We had the most dailies on that episode. Normally, it's it's like 20 to 25 hours of dailies per episode. That episode was Jamie Babbitt, who did the pilot and you know a lot of established season one. We had about 53 hours of dailies for that episode. And the way Peyton and I had had been working, we both would do quick sketches of each scene, and then we would share those. And it was such an interesting process because I would discover things he would do. I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't think to go there, and vice versa. And we'd talk about them and then we would decide which one of us would do the combo version. They did a lot of physical comedy in that scene, um, several different kind of physical bits with Steve and Marty. And I remember us going through and um, really needing to be wide to see their bodies. It's when they're kind of, all of the characters are like miming and being silent and kind of talking in slow motion. Right. The sequences, they're trying to make Cinda uncomfortable because as they understand it, she becomes uncomfortable when things are moving in slow motion. <laughs> Which that was a really <laughs> fun scene to set that up early in the episode with Poppy in the diner. Um, so once we get to this killer reveal party, um, we would take each kind of section and then think about what is it we need to see. For the slow-mo, we knew we needed to see their bodies and be as wide as possible. So we would just look for the funniest kind of movements. And it didn't matter if they were in sync to anything because they were all just goofing off and, and being in slow-mo. Whereas like when they're cutting the tomatoes and squeezing the tomatoes because Cinda hates tomatoes, it was funny to go like extremely wide a couple of times for those kind of shots. And extremely close so that we could see the oh, yeah. juice yeah, squirting out of the tomato. Um, but yeah, and in that scene, you know, we had all the characters from the show in that one room. So not only were we focused on, you know, the trio, um, you know, trying to get Cinda to crack, we're, we're following our eyes as to like, you know, each of them would come up and have like a little remark. Like we had Lester, the doorman, do a, he did a little theater performance. So then we had to shift the focus over there. And so we were constantly like going back and forth between all these different characters. And something Shelly and I do is we would, we'll watch our sequence with no sound. And so we can just follow our eyes and see, oh, where do we need to go here? We need to follow them. Oh, now he's over here. So it was constantly like that back and forth of, you know, figuring out the flow of the cut. And a lot of our choices are really just what makes us laugh. You know, we spend a lot of time, I'm a proponent of watching the dailies from head to toe, listening to what's going on on set, and then kind of just going what you think is funny and what makes you laugh and what's cute. By this time, you know, we know the characters and their traits and their little ticks and, you know, a cute, you know, Marty does a lot of grunting. And <laughs> so, you know, you find those charming moments and you mark that down. You're like, oh, we got to find a way to fit that in. Um, so we're always looking for that. And also in that scene, kind of 
you know, giving enough time to all of our other characters, to Howard and um, and Poppy, making sure Poppy's a participant in it. We would do a Poppy pass. So we would get the comedy kind of bit sketched out and we're like, okay, how do we make sure all the other characters are involved? So we'll scour through all the dailies and look for our favorite bits of, you know, what is Poppy doing? How is she feeling at this moment? And how are we tracking Mabel? We're, we're always tracking Mabel. Like, what is she looking at? Is it her POV? You know, how engaged is she? What is her mood? Um, so we're always kind of scouring through the Mabel takes. But really, that, that finale scene and that killer reveal party was just, it was so much fun. It never felt overwhelming to us. We just kept laughing. And then we would watch dailies again and go, oh, well, there's a great laugh, you know, with Jonathan and Howard. We've got to fit that in. And we would go back and find a place to fit that in. It took us a while. Peyton, aside from that scene, what was another favorite scene of yours to cut the season? Um, I would say, I back to episode eight, I think like we had this whole sequence of during the blackout when um, uh, Lucy is at the apartment waiting for Charles and they're trying to like climb up the stairs because the elevators are broken and then the killer's coming in. So like that whole sequence of them climbing up the stairs and the killer busting in was super fun to cut just because it felt like a little bit different from the show. You know, it felt more like thriller, horror. So it was kind of like diving into a new genre to um, fit into the only murders in the building area. And it was super fun. You know, we got to like do some cool sound design and scary stuff and fast cuts of the door bursting open and the knife. And so that was super fun to do. Well, I I loved the 70s stuff with Marty. And I think that was episode five. It was so fun to do. Everyone looked so gorgeous. It was funky. I had this idea to take the music that was used for Marty uh, Oliver doing a theatrical kind of thing in season one where he was grilling these people and they had this kind of cool music. I'm like, what if we took that and kind of flipped it into a 70s groove? So thematically, we're tying Oliver in his performative moments, but giving it a 70s twist. And then Shireen um, Davis was the director. She had all these moving cameras. It was just really fun and cool. We hadn't seen our characters in those crazy, beautiful costumes. And it was just a really fun thing to cut. And I also liked the episode two. Just it was completely different pace. It was this kind of slow piano, beautiful, telling the history of the Arconia looking for stock footage, narrated by Shirley MacLaine. It was just such a different thing. And i that's what appeals to me about working on the show, is you get to kind of go off into all these different directions. It's its not just comedy, it's drama. It's, you know, the little spooky bits that Peyton talked about. You kind of get a taste of everything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, you also had some scenes with Amy Schumer, who um, plays a new resident 
in the penthouse where Sting resided last season. <laughs> um, what, what were her scenes like to cut? <laughs> she did more ad-libbing. She was wild. She um, came on later, you know, like very close to when she was supposed to shoot. And I couldn't have been more impressed for her to learn her lines and get in there and do her stuff with, the, you know, a short notice um, was phenomenal. And she would crack Steve and Marty up. <laughs> We were she constantly laughing. Yeah. <laughs> the ad-libs were amazing from her. She just, like, let it all out. <laughs> Do you remember any of the the lines that she ad-libbed? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably can't. Well, I guess you could say them in a... I mean, some uh, were inappropriate, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I remember them verbatim, but... I know. They definitely were... They were a little sexual with the bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> But she really, I love what she brought to the show. It brought a new taste and, you know, she her her comedy is something that is very, you know, it's contrasting to the way Steve and Marty's comedy is. So it was fun to have her in and play with all of them for that uh, one or two episodes that she was in. Yeah. And then we also got the dynamic once again between Nathan Lane's character uh, and Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine those two? Their dailies are just divine. A lot of respect for each other. They're so funny together. They're just, that's just a treat, you know, to edit. Would you like to give a shout out to the editorial team? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. go for it, Peyton. We love our editorial team. We'd be nothing without our post-producer Nick Pavanetti and our uh, associate producer Tim Barker and our supervisor Rosie Broch. We, um, you know, we have these amazing team meetings every week where we discuss what is on the agenda. And, you know, they, they've really made it like a family, which is, it's very comfortable for us since we are all remote and we've never, I mean, before the sound mixes last year, we had never met in person. And doing everything remote and on the Zooms, having our weekly meetings really allowed all of us to get to know each other and get comfortable, you know, asking questions and requesting things that we need. And they were really on top of all of it and helped us. And so that was amazing. And it was really wonderful to have like our composer, Sid Kosla and Mika Lieberman, our music editor from season one. And then Matt Waters, who was also on season one. So they were, we befriended them and it was quite, it was a nice comfort to have them because they could steer us in the right direction, sound and music wise, you know, developed a great relationship with Sid for composing. So we would talk about music and tone for each episode. And then as we're editing, you know, we would show him some things and he would he loves to FaceTime us and play instruments on the phone. And sing. <laughs> and sing. <laughs> and that's always fun. I can say, oh, I don't like that flute. I want like a horn or some strings. And and um, so you really felt like you were part of the musical composition as well, like listening to each other's opinions, picking out tracks. And same with Matt. We would call him and say, we're not sure how this should sound. Or, you know, we've got this scene in a prison um, but there's a moment with, you know, Charles and Jan and Matt was like, oh, why don't we just, you know, drop out the sound at that, the, all the background prison sounds for those moments and kind of give them their space and then creep them back up. We're like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Yes, we did. We, great. And it made it into the final. 
Do you want to also give the shout out to the other editors and your assistants? Yeah, so our our fellow editors, David Bertman and Peggy Tashin, were uh, amazing to work with. And like Shelley had mentioned earlier, we had worked with Peggy before in the Ryan Murphy camp. So we all had a relationship prior. And the assistants, Matt Shapiro and Lauren Rossi, were instrumental for us to get all of this together. And like Shelley said, I started as an assistant. So were you know have I had my assistant relationship with them and then when I was able to move up and um start working more with Shelly and uh Peggy um yeah I mean we're all just a team and so we're doing season three with Peggy again right now so we're still collaborating and it's amazing and we had Harlan Doolittle um, worked on our visual effects in season two and she was phenomenal and she also was a friend of ours from the Ryan camp so we were a very tight um, tight-knit crews. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're, the collaboration on the show is nothing like I've experienced, like Shelley was saying, with Matt Waters and Sid, and everyone is so open to working together, which is really beautiful. Now, in the final scene of this season, we meet uh, Paul Rudd's character, and then he collapses on stage during the performance. What was it like to cut that scene? And can you tell us anything about season three? <laughs> <laughs> that was exciting. We were over the moon about Paul Rudd. And what was interesting about that whole setup was that they didn't, they had an idea for what season three would be, but not exactly. So they were trying to be careful about what dialogue, you know, was going to be spoken between Charles and Ben Glenroy. Paul Rudd and um, Steve Martin's characters. So they did do a couple of variations of dialogue there. Um, and we did have to cut, you know, a couple different versions of that scene. I think for us, we were, we were out of the building and we had this big theatrical kind of environment with this big stage. So we were just excited to see something new. <laughs> and to tee up season three, like it was exciting that we felt like we closed off, we closed the book on season two and we were diving right into, you know, the next mystery. So it was super fun. And it, and it was, you know, it was kind of thrilling. Like you're, you don't know what's happening. This dialogue doesn't make sense when you're reading the script or when you're watching the dailies, you're like, what is going on? And then, you know, he, he comes out on stage and collapses. And I, it's an amazing cliffhanger, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We did do a lot of work kind of teeing up everybody's reactions and where they were and getting Mabel, you know, her timing of her standing up and saying her line, you know, are you fucking kidding me? And um, so there was a little back and forth and a number of versions of that scene until we got like all the right bits of Joy and Lucy who were in the audience and making sure we could see Howard and Lester sitting behind Marty. So there was a little bit of juggling and piecing together and, uh, you know, we would keep going back to say, okay, we need a few more cuts. We've got to get that look from Marty to Steve just right. Um, so it was a little bit challenging. Um, and then we had the whole, you know, we weren't exactly sure what the play was going to be, but we needed some kind of sound design. So we started with Matt. And so like Peyton and Matt started kind of putting together just some spooky sounds. We're like, and we that's need a crow. Matt Waters, your supervising yeah. sound editor. So we were just kind of winging it. <laughs> we don't know what the play is going to be about, but it needs some kind of sonic element to it. Um, so that was kind of fun and exciting to to create that. At what point during the season did you find out that Paul Rudd was coming on as the next victim? 
Not till really late. Like right before we got that footage. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not late. <laughs> so again, is there anything you could share about next season? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's much we can share, but I mean, we can say that, you know, Paul Rudd is the victim and, you know, we definitely get bits of his character and how he was brought to Oliver and the, and the show. And um, what can we say without giving everything away? Um, you know, yeah, he, he, he's definitely present and it's his murder and we're, we're solving the crime. I, I'll say season three is definitely, it takes a turn, which is I think fun for the show. I think it's reinvented itself in this season, which is exciting. It takes kind of like a step back from the formula that, um, I mean, you know, there's still similar things that we're doing from seasons one and two, but it's definitely fresh and it's new and exciting. And we have new locations, you know, we are going to be at that theater as they're solving the crime. And yeah. And what can you share about Meryl Streep's character and her presentation? It's so good. <laughs> I mean, just getting to just getting to yeah. watch her perform with them. I mean, they have the best time on set. It's just like a bunch of friends hanging out and having fun and watching her, you know, deliver these lines. It's so beautiful. She I mean, she's Meryl Streep. It's it's gorgeous. And so getting to edit the this t- television show for as one of my, you know, first credits is it it's every day I'm like, is this real? Like what what Shelly, how how are we here? What's happening? Um, so it's been just a life-changing and unforgettable experience for me getting to edit her. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to say too much about the character and give anything yeah, away. Yeah, in trouble. Yeah, but um, she's definitely present. And I think people are really going to love her. I know Paul Rudd. So at the end of filming the last, because that was the last stuff we shot on the last day of season two was was scene and he told John Hoffman our showrunner he's like I think this is the best day of my career I'm in a room with Steve Martin Martin Short Andrea Martin and like comedy heroes coming up with dialogue I'm acting with them and then when he joined for season three and Meryl Streep was present he's like I don't I don't know if I can take it <laughs> too much excitement And I was going to say the fun thing about the end of season three that happened super late in the process was John Hoffman said, you know what? I want to do this thing with Howard's yodeling because in season one, Jan and her bassoon, that was the sound of the Arconia, the bassoon. And he's like, we didn't address that for season two. Oh my gosh, we, maybe we can do a thing with yodeling. And we had already mixed half of the episodes Uh, And we had like maybe two more days before like those episodes had to get shipped off and that was all over. So we all jumped into action. We're like, we can make this happen. All the editors and assistants banded together. We, We cut little clips of like where yodeling could possibly go throughout the whole series. And then we had the guy who taught Howard how to yodel (laughs) and we called him and uh, I think Dan and his wife, and they started yodeling for the end credits. It was this big kind of group effort. Our music supervisor and our music editor, everyone got involved and we're like, we have 48 hours to make this yodeling, you know, a thing. 
and everyone jumped in. We found little places to sprinkle yodeling throughout the courtyards of the Arconia. <laughs> and then the end credits come up and they're yodeling. It was yeah. super fun. Amazing payoff for all the yodeling yeah. throughout the season. Yeah. Um, on Paul Rudd's performance at the end, um, did he did he give you varied performances or were there other storylines or was that pretty much how it was scripted? That was pretty Curious much if there how were any it was outtakes. scripted. Um, there's some outtakes. He was a good physical um, performer. He wanted to do all his own stuff, all his own falls, everything he did himself. <laughs> um, but they gave us a few variations on the different lines. So yeah, he they had they basically had two sets of um, lines that they wanted to try out, and within those two sets, Steve and Paul gave us some variations on each tonally. And then we would cut all of those and then work with John to kind of pick which one he thought would fit. And as they're puzzling season three, because, you know, we didn't know what was, none of us really knew what was going on. So having the options helped us and helped John, I'm sure, you know, figure out what, where we're going, you know. Well, it was so nice to have you on Behind the Screen and to talk about the season. Um, congratulations. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and after season three uh, is out, you'll have to come back and we'll chat again, okay? Oh my God, absolutely. Thanks so Thank much for having us. Thank you for having us. Having us.